Hi, my name is Dr. Rongan Chatterjee, medical doctor, author of The Four Pillar Plan and BBC television presenter. I believe that all of us have the ability to feel better than we currently do, but getting healthy has become far too complicated. With this podcast, I aim to simplify it. I'm going to be having conversations with some of the most interesting and exciting people both within as well as outside the health space to hopefully inspire you as well as empower you with simple tips that you can put into practice immediately to transform the way that you feel. I believe that when we are healthier, we are happier because when we feel better, we live more. I've been really excited about the guest on my podcast today. It's somebody who I actually met a few years ago at a conference called Health Unplugged, a conference that he had actually put on himself. And it's just amazing that we've become really close friends over the past few years. His name is Daryl Edwards. He's a natural lifestyle educator and creator of the Primal Play Methods. Daryl has developed the Primal Play methodology to inspire others to make activity fun whilst getting healthier, fitter and stronger in the process. Daryl is the author of several award-winning books, including Paleo Fitness. Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Rangan. It's a pleasure to be here. So Daryl, since we met a few years ago, one of the things about you that has resonated with me the most is how you really seem to be able to help people make movement fun. I think that's something that's been really missing from our whole culture around movements. You know, it's about how many hours you need to be in the gym for, what you need to be doing. You need to be doing 40 minutes of this and 20 minutes of this. And, and you know, what I've just found on a personal level that doesn't really resonate with me. It doesn't resonate with a lot of my patients. So your approach to making movement fun, you talk a lot about play, really resonates with me. Can you tell me how did you get into that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, you know, my health background, uh, and part of that was my previous career working with an investment banking in technology and having an annual health check. And one year I was told I was suffering from you know, chronic hypertension. I was pre-diabetic. I had elevated heart uh, disease risk because I had a very poor lipid profile, cholesterol issues, triglyceride issues. And when I asked my doctor at the time what I could do to resolve those issues, they spoke about pharmaceuticals. So statins beta blockers for my blood, blood pressure, you know, supplementation because I was anemic. Uh, you know, so it's just a cocktail of meds. And the one question I asked, because I was quite concerned about that cocktail, was one, what about the side effects? And secondly, how long would I have to be on these meds for? And I was told pretty much the rest of your life, and there isn't much you can do about it because it's your genetic, this is just how it is. It's based on your genes. So I was really concerned about the side effects, about the length of time that I'd have to be on these meds for, and I wanted there was another approach. And I was fortunate enough to encounter a book which spoke about going back to basics. So thinking about our ancestry, thinking about how we used to eat and move and live, and how we could take some of that into the present day. And I was fortunate within a few short months to basically improve my health markers. So I was no longer pre-diabetic, my uh, chronic hypertension, uh, my blood pressure was normalized, optimized actually. I was no longer anemic. I was no longer suffering from some of the kind of musculoskeletal problems, low back pain, knee issues and the like. And I was convinced that if I continue on this path without any hiccups, um, it was something that I wanted to pursue for the long term. And that was over 15 years ago. 
And um, part of that transformation was improving my nutrition, was my improving my uh, attitude to physical activity. I was in a very sedentary job, 16, 18 hours a day, seven days a week, not moving. So I started off thinking about physical activity pretty much as what I was doing in my day job. So I took a very competitive environment in the office into the gym. And I thought about training like an athlete, ultra competitive, and I wanted to beat my peers within a gym environment, the sport of fitness, and I was very successful. The downsides were I got sick. You know, I was getting colds every two or three months. I was getting injured on a regular basis. I started to hate the process. Even though the results were pretty good, I was, I, I was getting fitter, I was getting stronger, but I wasn't enjoying the process. So I started to avoid gym time. You know, it's like, what else can I do to avoid the gym? You know, even though I know it's important, um, you know, I'm not even going to enjoy the pain and enduring that, that sort of pain. So the light bulb moment was thinking about what I enjoyed as a kid when it came to movement, when it came to physical activity. And that was play. So I just remember, you know, long summers, you know, coming home after school, getting my homework done, going outside and playing. And most of that time and most of the fond memories were around the enjoyment, the joy of movement. And of course, there may have been some competition, but the, the main premise of that was how can I and my friends just have a fantastic time? And it wasn't about exercise in quotation marks. It wasn't about training. It was just having fun with movement. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible to hear that. You talk about you having pre-diabetes and you know, you were faced with a couple of options, either take some medications that your doctor was asking you to take with potential side effects, or could you do something about it yourself? And you very quickly reversed your prediabetes, got rid of it, sorted out your blood pressure. But the interesting thing for me about that is how, as part of your mission to get more exercise, you know, you ended up in the gym. And although you were getting good results, it was very frustrating for you. And, you know, arguably you were overtraining. Yes, <laughs> <And> yes. <laughs> I think many people listening were mm. probably in a similar boat in the sense that, you know, they have a, an idea around movement, which is in the modern world, if I want to stay fit, I need to go to a gym. But that's not your belief, is it? Yeah. So, I mean, going to the gym is one approach to increase the amount of kind of movement minutes in your, in your day, in your week. But... Many of us join the gym with lots of enthusiasm, especially on January 1st, 2nd. And a few weeks later, you're no longer going to the gym. You no longer have that enthusiasm. We're bombarded with messages about kind of fitness inspiration. You know, get a body such as this. The full week, get your six-pack abs workout plan. And it can be quite intimidating, mm. I find. And there's something about exercise, which I think we need to realize in the 21st century. Exercise is a, a modern, fairly recent and modern construct, which is a substitute for the lack of physical activity that we would be getting in our day-to-day -day lives. So millennia ago, we would have to work physically to obtain our food, to build shelter, to live within our communities. That's what we'd have to do day in, day out. And post-industrial revolution, um, you know, we'd no longer have to do this. And especially in the 21st century, we can work, we can earn money being sedentary. 
We can shop so, from our phones. Yeah, we can exactly. get food for the first time. Delivered. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's incredible in terms of our evolution that we can yeah. actually do that. We can do that, yeah. So, so we, we, you know, uh, movement has been engineered out of our environments pretty significantly. It's been replaced with convenience. So locomotion, which used to be mandatory, is now optional. Physical activity, which again used to be mandatory, is now optional. So exercise is one possible option. Being sedentary is another option. And based on our nature, based on our evolution, we were designed to conserve energy, to conserve, you know, the burning of calories. So um, it just makes sense to me that I will do anything in my being not to move. You know, it feels far better for me to be sitting on my couch wishing I was being fed grapes than me going <laughs> spending an hour and a half in the gym. I mean, that's, that's, that's me. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And it's not just about opinion. Look at the research. So there's interesting research about the number of adults and children undertaking physical activity on a regular basis. So we know what the recommendations are. So the baseline recommendations are 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity activity and a couple of days of resistance training a week for adults. Do you know how many people actually meet the guidelines? If you ask them the question, it's about 35% of adults who meet the guidelines. But if they're wearing an accelerometer, they're wearing a device that actually you know, records how much movement they're undertaking, it's only about 5 to 8% of adults who meet the requirement. And that's a baseline requirement of physical activity guidelines per week, which is, which is shocking for one. But secondly, makes me realize that we just aren't aware of how little movement we're undertaking on a daily basis, and that there is an aversion. We have an aversion to physical activity. We have an aversion to exercise. So in order to circumvent that, we need to put strategies in place which will make movement more fun, make it more engaging, and make it more attractive. So I, I believe conventional fitness is missing out on a trick somewhat, because most of the messages I see on social media are no pain, no gain, you know, my warm-up is your workout. It, it, it's all about punishing yourself for what you ate the day before, punishing yourself for the lack of physical activity that you may have undertaken for the, the you know, previous period of time, um, rather than focusing on how good you're going to feel, how good it's going to make you feel, the health benefits that come out of physical activity. So the, again, the, the other light bulb moment for me was recognizing movement as being medicine and finding the appropriate dose of that medicine and recognizing that you need a daily dose. And sometimes that dose will be more intense and more vigorous. And sometimes that's going to be more moderate. And sometimes it's going to be very low intensity. And you need, you know, a wide array of kind of movement nutrients as such in order to get your well-balanced movement diet. Yeah, I love that, Dara. It's such, a, it's such a great way of putting it across to people. And the thing that really resonates with me there is that, yes, you need a whole variety, but you also need to probably understand how to personalize it to yourself, depending on the context that you find yourself in. So, you know, one thing you shared some of your frustrations about the messaging on social media sometimes, which can be quite harmful to people, actually, and actually put them off doing any movement. One thing I've noticed also is this kind of this push to do uh, more intense physical activity at any cost. So you have people, um, even some healthcare professionals out there on on social media who 
are knackered. They're exhausted. Mm. They're working back to back, yet they're still getting up at 6 a.m. to get the workout in. And, you know, I get the intention behind it. It's, hey, yeah. dis- doesn't no matter what, I'm still up there in the gym pushing it hard. Mm. But you know what? Many people will be better off actually in that moment, probably just sleeping a bit longer yeah. and actually going for a walk at lunchtime to help you know, restore their body or have a yoga, 20 minutes yoga on a YouTube thing after work sort of thing, rather than intense exercise in that setting. Is that something you see a lot of? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, if you're living, I mean, most of us are living in a chronically stressed environment. You know, most of us are chronically stressed. So if you then have sleep deprivation and you have very little me time, and then you're deciding to add another significant acute stressor, i.e. physical activity at the, the greatest intensity possible in the shortest space of time. And actually, in the short space of time isn't good enough, so I need to do even more of that because obviously more is better. Then obviously it's, that's going to be detrimental to your health. And something about exercise, like any stressor, is it's about the appropriate dose. It's about the appropriate type of that dose of medicine. And so, you know, we benefit from a hormetic response, uh, which is, if you take part in exercise, there's a biological response that comes from that because it's a physical stressor. And so there are benefits based on that stressor, based on overcoming that physical activity, based on your body adapting to that physical activity. But if you just continue to do that and you don't have proper rest and recovery, then it becomes harmful. If you do too much of that thing, which is beautiful and uh, has great impact in the short term, it becomes detrimental. Going back to the original point, it's finding the appropriate timing of that physical activity or that exercise, making sure you enjoy it, I think is extremely important, and also making sure there's the appropriate dose of that physical activity. And I, I was overtraining. I can recognize I was overtraining um, and under-resting and I didn't have the appropriate recovery. And I was adding that to being sleep deprived and, and believing that, oh, I can out-exercise yeah. <laughs> my lack of sleep. I mean, you, you, you can't. Part of you sleeping is to repair and rebuild the body based on that physical activity. So if you're not uh, having adequate sleep, you're undoing some of the good work that comes through physical activity. Yeah, and, and it's interesting to me that a lot of what you're posting about at the moment that I see is about movements, but you absolutely recognize the importance of a rounded 360 degree approach to health. So it's a food and sleep and stress, you know, movement's just one component, isn't it? Yes, for, for sure. I mean, I, I do believe uh, movement gets a bad press. I, I was going to come to that actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's a really important point because recently, particularly in the you know, the social media sort of health world where people are trying to, you know, help empower people. Yeah, it, it's amazing how over the last, I don't know, maybe three or four years, mm. there's been very much a, you know, it's about your diet more than it is about your physical activity. People are talking yes. a lot about weight. Yes. And, you know, there have been some papers out there, you know, with, with sort of quite, um, you know, quite catchy headlines. Yes. Um, and I've noticed that you try and actually provide the balance to that. So, Perhaps you could share that at the moment. You share that right now. Yeah. So I do think movement has had a bit of bad press. And uh, the, the classic quote is uh, you can't outrun a bad diet. And of course, you know, if you have a balanced approach to health, you recognize that you need all of those 
multi-factors, multifactorial approach to, to improving your health and well-being. So you do need to focus on good nutrition and good food. You do need to focus on you know, mitigating chronic stress. You do need to focus on sleep quality and sleep hygiene, your relationships, you know, avoiding pollution and, you know, and your approach to physical activity and, and the like. And when you start picking out one of those as being the only thing that's important, the only way you can reach health nirvana, that's when I believe it's dangerous. Because for some people, they will latch onto that message and that narrative and only focus on one of those. And it could even be exercise. So somebody could decide, you know what? I don't need to worry about anything else. I'll just exercise. That may lead to orthorexia. That may lead to somebody believing that they can have a poor diet and it doesn't really matter as long as you exercise. Of course, there's no way I would advocate that. But pushing one of those factors as being the only way to improve your health is detrimental because... Um, I, for one, didn't recognize that movement or physical activity could be therapeutic. I believed it was just about burning calories. It was just about improving body composition because I was veering much more towards this message of food being medicine. And so, you know, what you eat is not just fuel, but also medicine is also therapeutic. It you know, feeds a gut microbiome. You know, yeah. That's what's important. It reduces inflammation. That's what's important. And when I started looking at the research and recognizing, oh my goodness, exercise can be anti-inflammatory. Exercise can improve the gut microbiome. Absolutely. Exercise can improve, you know, reduce blood pressure and uh, can uh, improve your, your mood hormones, you know, your serotonin, dopamine. And, you know, once you recognize there's this whole body of research around exercise being medicine, then you realize just how powerful and potent it is. And when you look at the evidence being that most of us are physically inactive, even if we're yeah. not aware of that, most of us who are having a, a day job where we believe if I just get out of the office of 30 minutes and hit the gym, don't realize that that may not undo your sedentary time during that day. You know, we, we, many of us just aren't aware yeah, of, and, of this. You know? Yeah, yeah Darryl, you're right. There's, there's some very good studies in the last few years. I, I, I put a few of them in the four pillar plan about how we, we possibly can't outdo the effects of sitting all day just by going to the gym for an hour in the evening. You know, breaking sitting with standing yes. it is very important. And I think yes. there was one study that I've seen recently where uh, we have patients with type 2 diabetes and they were either put into a structured gym program mm. or they just move more in the day. Yes, And the people who move more in the day just liked movement and didn't do the structured gym program their blood sugar control was better yes Uh, and i think that is remarkable and i think one of the reasons i've always liked you and what you stand for is it always seems very pragmatic to me very balanced very unextreme and i think i've always i've always resonated with you on that i think i've always known uh, on on some sort of deeper level actually i really Mm. like what daryl is promoting what he's standing for here when you say if we over prioritize one area of health over others, we can have problems potentially. And and really that is that's the approach that I lay out on my book, Daryl. It's mm. it's kind of like it's not about the perfect diet or the perfect gym routine. It's about, you know, for many people, if your diet is good enough, actually you might be better off going to sleep an hour early each night rather than trying to get a 10% improvement in your diet yeah. on an already very good diet. Yes, for sure. When you look at the blue zones, for example, yeah, I mean, y- y- arguably, their lives aren't perfect. Even though they live long and healthy lives, 
Um, and, and that's evidenced based on those populations around the world where that exists. Their lives aren't perfect. They don't have the best nutrition optimally every single day of the week. They don't always have the best approach to physical activity. It's about what foods are available to them, which are local, healthy, unprocessed. It's about the fact that they have to move in order to live because it's part and parcel of their day. They tend to sleep based on you know, what nature dictates. They tend to have really good, healthy relationships and, and family structures that yeah. you know, give them a sense of purpose and, and the like. You know, we need to simplify a lot of these messages as health practitioners, as lifestyle coaches, as health coaches, rather than overcomplicating things. Because as you say, people are looking for that, just that extra edge, that extra additional 10% that can come, you know, by me optimizing this particular phytonutrient. Oh, that's the key. That's a secret. If I just add that supplement to my diet, everything will be perfect. But, 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 but it's, it's, it's the whole point with the whole blue zones, looking for the perfect diet. The reality is I, I, I was very lucky. I was in Guernsey in, uh, in June and, and one of the guys who coined the term blue zones is Michel Poulin. He's a Belgian researcher. And he was sharing with me the diets on the blue zones. He goes, they're all quite different. Mm. Actually, some of them eat quite a lot of meat, actually. Yeah. And one of the problems we have when we try and look for that perfect blue zone diet is that Frankly, it doesn't exist. You, yeah. You've just echoed what it is. It's minimally processed. It's local. It's in season mm. is what they do. And they've got different amounts of fat and carbs, depending yes. on which blue zone you're talking Ex about. Ex exactly. So it clearly is more than fat v carbs is the problem. Yeah, yeah. But then we can't take the diet in isolation. Yes. Because, you know, these cultures are generally well slept. They're generally physically active. They yes. are, you know, low levels of stress. They've got a strong sense of community. Mm. Mm. And that's why it's very hard to take out one component. The other thing I find interesting about the blue zones and other healthy populations around the world, and this is one of the reasons I think we're struggling so much in the West at the moment to, to, to help our populations be healthier, is that their way of living means that being mm. healthy is just the default option. Whereas here we're having this interview in uh, London, you know, being out in London, the default option for many people is to be unhealthy. If you you know, take all the transport everywhere. If you get locked into this stress culture, go, 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 you get back from work late and you sort of, you know, you're stuck on your computer very late with work emails or you get up early for the commute back to work, you know, and you're stuck at your desk all day. You know, the default option there is poor health. Mm, and mm. I think this really goes on to what I love about your movement approach. As you well know, I'm a huge fan of your various movement strategies. In fact, I talk about you in my book, Daryl. You know, I mention. And thank you one very of, much. One of the favorite things I do with my son mm. is primal play tag, an exercise that you taught me. I don't, can't remember when it was, but you, I thought this is incredible. What an incredibly fun, engaging way of playing with my son, having fun with him. Yet within a minute, we're both breathless and knackered. Um, and I think play and making movement fun is something that we've not done enough of in society. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and you know, we can see that kids... You know, there's less playtime now for kids at school. Uh, we're less likely as parents to let them go out and play, as would have been the case when I was youngster. You know, my parents are like, get outside and entertain yourselves. Come back when dinner's ready. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't happen nowadays. So our kids are spending more and more time on devices rather than playing and engaging in active play. Adults, for sure, are, are becoming far more sedentary. So we do need a, a solution to this. And the solution isn't just telling people you need to move more. And unfortunately, there are far too many 
health professionals now saying, actually, you don't need to move that much. You know, you can you can condense uh, what you need to do in just a couple of minutes. Oh, yeah, if you do this really ultra high intensity protocol for a couple of minutes a day, you're, you're, you're kind of sorted. You'll get all these health benefits and that's all that matters. Well, uh, actually, there's far more to movement than what you can do in a couple of minutes. And so, as you say, that integration, integrating movement throughout your day-to-day lives you know, if you're sitting, spend a bit more time standing, you know, a standing desk, for example, or make sure every phone call you take, you stand rather than sitting, you know, take the stairs more often than taking an elevator or the lift. So there are practical approaches to increasing the amount of non-sedentary time throughout your yeah. day. And that's definitely my approach. You know, I, I, it's very difficult for me to set up an hour, 45 minutes during my day to say, right, that's going to be my workout time today. Yeah. I'm going to pop it in my diary. I'm going to get it done because life gets in the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so it's better for me to actually get up in the morning, get a few minutes done, you know, think about opportunities throughout my day. You know, I will, I will do things like, you know, I want to get the remote control. I'll bear crawl across my living room floor to pick up the remote control. I'll squat during commercial breaks, you know, so I, I'll, by the end of the day, I've actually got far more than my, minimum requirements for movement but i i have no idea where that, yeah. that time came from it's like oh i think you know what that, that's such a key message to people and that's again the the approach i take in my own life which is particularly these days i struggle to find that 45 minute one hour period where i can go to the gym let's say and have a workout i remember even as a kid as a teenager I used to watch Neighbours, the Australian soap, whilst eating my dinner with my brother. So we could, you know, multitask and eat and watch our soap at the same time. So we had more time to do homework afterwards. And I delve in my book as to some of the negatives of having done that. But I remember I'd go in to put the food plate into the microwave to heat up. And even as a kid, even as a teenager, in those two minutes, I would be knocking out some press-ups or some lunges. I would always look for opportunities in the day to get a bit of movement in. Mm, and interestingly mm. enough, I, one thing I did try for the first time in my life about two years ago um, is I tried a personal trainer for a couple of months. Just I never had it before. I never thought I needed one. I thought, ah, you know what, I, I kind of know what I need to be doing. But I got a really good recommendation of someone in Manchester. And I thought, oh, I'm going to give it a try. And I've got to be honest, he's fantastic. And I learned a lot. Um, but I had a few sessions left that I didn't use up and I hadn't been for about six months. And about two months ago, I just, I was in Manchester and I text him say, Hey, you don't have a spare session in about half an hour. Do you guys actually have just had a cancellation? So I went in and I had a, like a 40 minute workout with him, which is a lot of fun. And he said to me, wrong. And you are one of the rare clients who I've got who cannot see me for six months yet still be at the same level as you were six months ago. And on, you know, on a personal level, that was really nice and really inspiring to hear. But the reason I think that is, is because I, whether I get to a gym or not, and these days it's not, I'm always doing little workouts, two minutes here, two minutes there. As you say, you know, it's a remote control. You know, I, you know, I squat every day with the kids, body weight squats while we're waiting for dinner. Mm. It's like, yeah, two minutes of squats, you know, and I do it and we have fun. We play your game, your primal play tag game, playing that most days at home. You know, I've got a five minute kitchen workout that, you know, you can knock out some press ups and some lunges and get an olive oil bottle and twist it to the side, all kinds of fun, inventive ways to keep being active. And I think the big problem is that we have outsourced our idea of movement to the gym. So if we can't get to the gym, we think we can't do it. Or even, and even if we do get to the gym, we don't think we're done. Oh, I've been to the gym. I've got my movement in. I don't need to worry now until my next workout. 
I can go back to being sedentary. Yes. You know, it, and this is very, very common. So my goal and your goal is to try and, from what I understand of what you do, Daryl, is to try and simplify things to people and try and inspire them to say, you can do this. It isn't as hard as you think it is. And one thing I've noticed uh, you talking about recently is your Animal Moves Challenge. Can you tell me what is the Animal Moves Challenge? Yeah, so I, I mean, people started to ask me what what I was doing on a daily basis and, you know, they'd, they'd read my book, but still wanted more kind of guidance. So I, I started to create some online programs, including the Animal Move Challenge. And the whole concept behind that is that as humans, our movement potential is one of a generalist. So if we compare ourselves to the rest of the animal kingdom, we don't really hold our own at all. So you know, we can't run anywhere near as fast as a cheetah. Actually, we can't even run anywhere near as fast as a goat or a camel. They can out-sprint us. You know, we can't, you know, lift as heavy as a, an elephant. We're, we're not very strong. We can't jump very far in comparison to, say, a kangaroo. But where we are incredible is our ability to do all of those movement patterns just above average. So we can crawl, we can climb, we can jump, we can run, we can sprint, we can walk great distances. We have so much movement capability. And yet, whenever we engage in physical activity, we tend to focus on probably one or two movement patterns. So, oh, I like running. I'm just going to run, maybe swim every now and again, maybe get on a bike. But all the other repertoire of movement patterns, we don't engage in. So by training like an animal forces us almost, coerces us to engage in all of those movement patterns that we need to engage in to be healthy. So that program includes crawling. It includes jumping. It includes balance exercises. It includes varied intensity. It includes strength and resistance. It includes mindful movement. So this kind of well-balanced diet of movement that I spoke about earlier is all part and parcel of this program. But that's a result of them having fun whilst they're doing it. Yes, for, for sure. So, yeah. so part of, I mean, just imagine when you were a kid. I mean, most kids, I'm sure, pretended to be an animal of some kind. You know, whether it was a panther or you know, piggybacking somebody on your back and pretending to be a horse, what, whatever it was, whatever you can remember as a kid, pretending to be an animal, it's recapturing that as an adult and just engaging and visualizing what it was like to be, play, you know, to be a child again, to be, not to be childish, but to be childlike in our approach to movement means there's instant gratification when it comes to movement. So when I engage in those movements, I'm actively enjoying my environment, being mindful, you know, I'm changing the kind of various levels of, uh, of interaction with my environment. And that in itself means you're, you're so engaged in what you're doing, it doesn't feel like punishment and pain. It doesn't probably feel like exercise. It just doesn't feel like exercise. It just feels like movement. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? And so all those kind of aches and pains that you, that you get as you, you, oh, I'm getting older. I just, oh, I feel a little bit stiff in the morning. They all just, they all just come out of you. It's like, I don't need to stretch in order to obtain natural flexibility and mobility. I can just move in a way that's therapeutic and corrective and regenerative. So again, it's part of my journey has been appreciating that movement can be an antidote to some of the issues around chronic lifestyle disease. And once you recognize that, then it's very easy to start thinking about interesting and, and creative ways of ensuring that's done. So I wanted to create a program basically that was one, not only meeting the minimum guidelines of health recommendations for movement, but also ensuring that you're undertaking such a wide repertoire of movement that you wouldn't be overtraining, 
that you would be getting stronger and fitter and faster, more powerful and more flexible, more mobile and increase your endurance and agility and coordination. All these components of fitness that we, again, tend to, to, to forget that we need to be engaging in. So all of those are in, uh, part and parcel of this program. Yeah. Um, and most importantly, it's designed as a community-based program. So there are videos, there's a community where people are encouraging each other, people are actually inspiring each other to move. And it's designed for people who are couch potato, former couch potatoes to weekend warriors, to those who believe play is going to be ineffective. So what, what, what age groups have you got people signing up to this? Is it, who is it applicable for? I mean, it tends to be people who can afford to use a, a credit or debit card. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's an online program. Yeah, it's, an online, yeah. it's an online program. But I've got basically uh, people in their latter, late teens, um, and the oldest uh, member of that community is about 75 years old. Wow. Incredible. So, so with no history, not a you know they weren't a former athlete. They were just somebody who wanted to have more fun with movement. Oh wow! So, so yeah. So I've got people from all over the world. And where, where can people find this program? If you go to primalplay.com, you can find out a little bit more about what Primal Play is, but also have access to these to these programs. Fantastic. Hey Daryl, you know when you were, you talk with such passion about the various movement types that are incorporated within your program. And a thought came to me, which is that, you know, mindful movement and actually, you know, trying to mimic various animal moves, I actually think will relieve stress. So I talk about four pillars of health, but by doing this kind of movement, you're probably also de-stressing yourself and switching off and because it's all connected, right? That's why it's very hard to talk about an individual component. I'm finding it harder and harder now mm. to talk about just one component of health because, yeah. you know, you know, for the, the people who do talk about food being everything and the most important thing, well, you know what? I used to think that. And that was a personal bias because when I changed my diet, I felt so much better. But I've recognized that with some patients, I've got, I've got patients with mental health issues. Some of them, even though I can explain to them how food impacts their mood, some of them are not ready to change their diets. But when they get more physically active, Right? And that's where I put my time and energy. That has helped them sleep better and that has helped them then make better food choices. So mm. I see these various components of health as all intertwined and you change one thing, you change everything. Yes, that's a great point. And for me, food was definitely the gateway to, to improve my health and, and well-being for sure. But thank goodness, movement became was right behind it. It was like... I recognized within a few days, I was like, you know what, even if I'm eating a perfect diet, in quotation marks, I can't be healthy if I'm sedentary. I mean, it's just, it's just can't be possible. You know, how would we have obtained this ideal food in, in our ancestral past without movement? How, how would we obtain this food? We had to move. So movement has always been a priority for us as humans. And, and now it's less and less so because of our environment. So you're right. I am passionate about movement. I do believe it's it's a key part of improving our health and longevity. The evidence supports that. My own personal experience supports that. The challenge is now where we do have this environment which encourages us to be sedentary. You know, I can roll out of bed. Maybe if I've got stairs, I can walk down the stairs. I can get to my car 10 meters away. I can sit in my car for my commute to work. I can get into the office, spend most of my time sitting at a desk, maybe have a sandwich at the desk. And then repeat on the way home. And as soon as I get home, I'm, I'm fatigued. I want to sit down and relax, you know, hear the microwave ping to have my ready meal. Then get to bed, probably making sure I'm browsing 
some health tips online before, yeah. before I the do irony. so. <laughs> exactly. impact, yeah, impact on my sleep and then repeat. So, so that for many of us is our environment and it's so difficult to reverse engineer some of those issues. And yeah. it, it's, it's, not a, it, it's a societal problem. You know, this is, this is what society, the benefits of 21st century technology means we can be lazy. We can satisfy our inner lazy indiv- inner person. Well, the, 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 you're right, but the flip side is what you said right at the start, which is certain aspects of modern technology, such as activity trackers, we can, many of us can use that modern tech now to help us, yes. you know, reverse that process, yes, which is sure. a certain beautiful irony there. Yes, for sure. I mean, I don't want to, I'm very happy living in 21st century London. I don't want to go backwards to a time where I, I didn't have access to these devices no. or even being on a podcast, for example. You know, yeah. this is, this is, it's a fantastic opportunity to, to share this information. But um, sometimes we do have an over-reliance and use these devices as a, as a crutch. And that crutch could be, oh, I, I can avoid social interaction because I can just socialize on social media. I don't need to be physically active because I can watch somebody else doing so. You know, I can, I can watch the Olympics. I can watch the Premier League on a, on a Saturday. And, and I'm, I'm engaging in movement, even though I'm being very sedentary. Yeah. So we can over, there can be an over-reliance on technology, which means that we do less, which means when we make poorer health choices. And so again, a strategy has to be, how can we use these devices as enablers? Absolutely. So if I do have a, you know, so for example, one strategy I use is every hour, I will set, I have an alarm on my, on my watch and it will just ping to say, you need to move. So whatever I'm doing, <laughs> whatever I'm doing at the time, if I'm sedentary, I'll just do 60 seconds of, of something. And even though I do engage in movement throughout my day, it's just another prompt. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can use these devices to make sure that I'm, I'm doing even more. I can have this kind of like little nudge every now and again to say, hey, Dale, you know what? move a little bit more yeah that's you know? great um, that's, a, that's a great yeah. tip actually yeah you know for those of you listening who are not familiar with daryl's work i would highly encourage you to check out his social media feeds uh where you share some just incredibly inspiring workouts that the sort of thing that people wouldn't consider to be a workout and i love them because they just give people give me ideas give me ideas on what i can do with my kids can you just share with us and where they can find you actually daryl yeah so the best place is my blog which is primalplay.com my social media handle is at Fitness Explorer, so Twitter, Instagram, and the like. You can search for me on Google, Daryl Edwards, D-A-R-R-Y-L, Edwards. And uh, yeah, there's lots of interesting ideas of how you can disrupt, you know, your sedentary lifestyle yeah. with, with more movement, with more enjoyable movement. Oh, I love because it. that is the key. That's the only solution, in my opinion, to ensure that you can have a, a long-term movement practice is to find something which is fun and engaging. And something that you actually receive the benefits immediately, not at the end. You know, like you have yeah. the endorphin rush after sixty minute run. I can't. You know, sixty minutes is a long time if, yeah. you, if you're not enjoying what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it will lead to failure ultimately. Your week on week, day on that, you'll be like, oh, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. I, I haven't got enough songs on my playlist anymore. You know, I, I you know, you do an animal move and you're having is. fun straight away and you're straight feeling away. it. Yeah, yeah. You're playing primal play tag with your kids. Yeah. You know, there's laughter and, and you're, yeah. you're jovial within a few seconds. It's yeah. like instant gratification. There's, there's instant immersion in that activity. 
my, my, little, my little girls got involved as well. And so now it's a two-on-one against me at the moment. That's, <laughs> that's currently what's going on at home, which is it's just incredible. Which is nice. Because she, she, my, my daughter, who's younger, she watches me and my son play. So she wants to get involved now. She doesn't yeah. want daddy just playing with her big brother. So now it's two against one, which is a bit more challenging. That's, well, that's fantastic. And, and, you know, it's the sort of memories. Uh, they'll, they'll never forget the times that I remember playing with my parents and my uncles. And so I, I, you know, I remember to that to this day how much fun we had. You know, parents sometimes miss out on that experience with their kids. You know, play has become, you know, we outsource it. So you mentioned outsourcing earlier. So we outsource play to other individuals. Like, oh, we'll send you to football practice on a Saturday morning. So you'll have your two hours of running around in the park with a ball and I don't have to worry about it. Whereas actually they crave that interaction with you as parents. And, and having fun. And, and once parents realize, actually, I can have fun too. I don't have to sit at the, on the bench watching my kids play in the park. I can actually get involved. So I'm getting a bit of a, a workout or a play out, as I, as I prefer to, to use it. that term. Love it. I can get a bit of a play out with my kids. And we're all having fun. And we're all getting, taking part in physical activity. I mean, it's, for me, that's a win-win right there. Yeah, absolutely, Daryl. Look, I could probably talk to you for the next three or four hours about this stuff, as no doubt we often do when we're not recording a podcast, because, yeah, I love it. And it, and it, it really is, I don't think people realise how simple and how easy it can be if you start shifting your mindset on what movement is and what movement looks like. But one thing I try and do at the end of each podcast is to share with the listener four simple, actionable tips that they can put into practice in their own life immediately to help improve the way that they feel. And I wonder, maybe around movements if you want, are there four tips that you would share with the listeners? Yes. So the first tip is to focus on fun. So as I mentioned earlier, fitness, in order for it to be a long-term practice, a long-term journey, and something that becomes self-motivating. There has to be self-intrinsic value. So if you're engaging in something that you enjoy immediately, if it's something that you find engaging, if it's something where you notice time just compresses, so it's like, oh my goodness, you know, half an hour has gone by, but it's only, it feels like five minutes. If you can, if you can capture that experience with movement, then you're onto a winner. Yeah. So that could be dancing. It could be playing a game that you played as a kid where, you know, you throw the rules out of the window. It's like, and let's just have some fun. It's almost like if you play tennis, for example, just having a rally, forget scoring points. Let's just see how long we can get this ball back and forth over the net for as long as we can, you know, doing really, doing funny trick shots, just being crazy with the ball. That's what you want to feel when you're engaging in this playful approach to movement. So first, it, fun has to be a priority, Prime, whether it's primal play, whether it's playing a, a childhood game, whether it's dancing, whatever that is for you, that's what you should be engaging in. Secondly, it's how do you convert bad habits into good habits? So, you know, a bad habit comes about through, you know, greasing the groove over years, decades, generations of a certain practice. So for me, I get out of bed in the morning. The last thing I want to do is movement. I'm like, I just probably want to make a cup of coffee, even though I don't drink coffee, but I'm like, I want to do something that's going to pep me up and make me feel good in the morning. So one strategy for me was to place my training gear and my training outfit right at the side of the bed. And I made a decision that every time I saw my training gear, 
that I put it on and I would engage in some form of movement for whatever period of time, even if it was a minute or two. Mm. And I found that every day I would commit to that. I'd put my training gear on. I'd, I'd do something for whatever period of time. That one or two minutes may become 10 or 15. And then I'd have a great kickstart to the day and I wouldn't need my morning coffee. So, you know, thinking about strategies where you can replace some of those poorer lifestyle habits into better ones, which will become part of your DNA. So we've all heard of 21 days to, to affect a, a, a habit. And um, the research actually says it can be anywhere between 18 and 250 plus days to, to forge a habit. So I find I need longer periods of time to, to encourage me to make better decisions. So that's one strategy of converting poor habits to better habits. Okay. The third is integration of more movement minutes within your day. So for me, it's very difficult to set out an hour a day for exercise, but I can just get more movement minutes done, find opportunities for movement. So that can be, for me, I rolled out of bed this morning, for example. <laughs> I rolled out of bed, I started doing some crawling, I started jumping around, fortunately no one was there to watch me. <laughs> but uh, you know, I went to the kitchen, I had breakfast, whilst my, mood, my food has been prepared, I played some music, I started to dance, again, no one was watching. And so I had 15, 20 minutes of movement, yeah. again, without realizing it, without taking up any more time out of my day. So find any opportunity you can to get more movement in. Do some exercises whilst you're watching TV during a commercial break. Engage some of your family members so it feels more like you're in this together rather than you being the odd one out. So yes, integration throughout the day is much easier for most people to get into as a movement practice. And the final tip is avoiding convenience. So avoiding convenience means you see a set of stairs, you see a lift, take the stairs. Your shop is five minutes away, you decide not to take the car, you decide to walk. You decide not to get your groceries delivered, you decide to take those shopping bags back home. Instead of taking your local bus stop, you decide to walk one or two bus stops. So again, that way, you're getting more movement minutes, you're finding more opportunities for movement. And you'll find the more that you start avoiding convenience, that transfers and translates to other areas of your life. So it doesn't just become about movement. It's the same, similar for food. It's like, I'm not going to take the easy way out. I'm not going to get that takeaway because actually I'd rather walk to the shop, get some food, bring it back and spend time preparing this because I know that's going to be a healthful, more healthful option. Yeah. So, so um, avoiding convenience would be my my final tip. Uh, Daryl, they're absolutely fantastic tips and I'm just so on board with each and every single one of them. You mentioned coffee and, you know, you know new new habits and I've had a love-hate relationship with coffee myself and I'm reducing my intake bit by bit at the moment. But what I do every morning when I'm at home is I weigh out my coffee and for the four minutes that it's brewing for, I have a, a step in the kitchen. So it's right there. And I do, you know, three or four minutes of these little exercises that help me wake up my glutes mm. that I have a lot of fun doing. I would be waiting for that coffee to brew anyway. So in that sort of dead time, as it were, instead of... Yeah scrolling social media i'm there on the step doing some exercises and you feel better straight away you your mood lifts you, it just puts you in a different frame of mind yes for uh, sure it, it's incredible I mean, as you say it's we we are primed for movement first thing in the morning 
You know, our, our cortisol is naturally elevated at the first thing in the morning. We should be the most alert. I mean, that's what yeah. people, again, don't realize. When you wake up, you should feel as if you can take on the world. Exactly. And if you don't feel that way, you know, you've that's got an to, issue. Again, it's an issue. So for me, you know, coffee is not the solution for me. I agree. For me, it's like if I can just do some form of vigorous activity. And again, here's something else to think about. You watch a very young child, you know, probably two or three or four years old what they do when they're waking up out of a, a deep sleep. And they'll have that kind of like extended stretch and sometimes they'll shake their bodies and then they're awake, they're alert. They're like, okay, now I want, now I want to play. Now I actually want to do something. And lots of animals partake in this kind of pandiculation. And I use that strategy to kind of invigorate myself in the morning. I'm like, I want to feel as if I can take the world on yeah. today. And so movement is again, a catalyst yeah, and and a springboard for that. Yeah, the the other thing that that, that I really loved that was about avoiding convenience, and you know we're sitting here in the basement of the Penguin Building, and I gave my publisher, which is Penguin, who are on the eighth floor here, I gave them a wellbeing talk before the summer last year, and at the end of it, I left them with a challenge. I said, guys, you guys are, well, you're on the eighth floor of a building. How many of you take the lift? How many of you take the stairs? And you know the majority of people were taking the lift. So I set them a challenge, said, how about tomorrow morning, you know, not next week or, or next month or, you know, after the summer holidays, how about tomorrow morning, each and every single one of you that is able to consider taking the stairs and do it with somebody else. And it, remarkably, you know, I think the next day, it was something like 90, 95% the next morning were taking the stairs. But interestingly enough, four months on, it was over 80% of them were still taking the stairs four to six times a week. And I found that remarkable. So mm. that, you know, you, you've got that option there. You've got the lift or you've got stairs, but then you do it at work and your colleagues are also doing it. So you, you, you engage that community. So one day you don't feel like it, but, you know, Linda down the hall is getting the stairs. You're more likely to take it. So I just, I find that, you know, amazing how, how quickly these things can change. Yes. And just, I set them one challenge. Yeah. Four yeah. months on, they're still doing it. Do you know what I mean? Which is fantastic. It's and incredible. It, it's, it's simple. It's something that, you know, as you say, if, you, if, you, if you're able to do so, then, then do it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the point because there's a time, there may be a time in life where you may not be able to, I may not be able to climb the stairs in 20, 30 years. Yeah. And, and I may not be able to do so only because you never did. I've never, I haven't done in the past. Exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the point. So whilst I can, I want to maintain my function uh, for as long as possible. Yeah. Well, Darrell, I love it. Love it. Uh, and really, you know, I'm so inspired by this conversation. I'm just going to say something I rarely say, but for those of you listening, you know, just think about something that you have heard just now, either from myself or from Darrell, and think, you know, even if you just take one thing that you can change immediately in your life, you will feel the benefits very soon and it absolutely is worth it. So Daryl, really appreciate your time today. I think we definitely need a part two of this at some point, but I've just got to say, look, good luck with everything. Um, I'm going to myself check out this Animal Moves Challenge and um, I hope I get the chance to get you back on the podcast soon. Thanks, Daryl. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Rangan. It's been a pleasure. That's the end of this week's Feel Better, Live More podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I really hope you found the conversation useful, but also enjoyable. 
If you're not already, I'd highly recommend that you subscribe to this podcast so that you can be notified when the latest episode of my podcast comes out. I'd also be incredibly grateful if you consider going onto iTunes and giving this a five-star rating so that I can get this information out and reach more people. It really does make a difference. And if you have any suggestions for people you'd like to see me have conversations with on this podcast, I'd encourage you to get in touch with me on social media using the hashtag #FeelBetterLiveMore. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at Dr Chatterjee and on Twitter using the handle at Dr Chatterjee UK.